Hello, everyone. I'm Laura. And I am Chantal. And this is Don't Judge a Girl by Their Size. The podcast following one woman's journey to health through weight loss, surgery, and beyond. And I'm that woman. Yes, you are. The information and personal experiences shared on this podcast are for general informational and entertainment purposes only. Our stories represent individual perspectives and do not constitute professional medical advice, guidance, or recommendations. All right, Chantal, you're so close, so close to surgery. Uh, And I want to talk today about your pre-op journey, all the things you've been doing, all the appointments you went to, what's that like? And I also want to start again by reminding everyone of your why. Why are you doing the surgery? What is the point? What is this doing for you? And why are you deciding to go this particular route? Yeah, definitely. The why is the biggest part. I think that anyone who is considering this journey needs to write down as many whys as they can. And you're going to think of more. My list of whys has definitely grown over the last five months because the closer and closer and the more work I've done, the more possibility there is. And so I'm not limiting myself in those whys, you know, in the very beginning, it's like, why are you doing this? Well, for health. Okay. But why are you doing it? Why do you want your health? And so those whys have gotten deeper and deeper and more and more expansive. And so there's more and more reasons because the more mobile I am, the more I have this idea that I can do things. And so my why keeps growing and my why keeps changing and developing as I am as well. Whys, well, I want to be able to do things that bring me joy. I want to go to sports events. I want to go to concerts. I want to not be embarrassed to not be able to fit in a table. And when I go out to dinner and try to have a date with my husband, I want want to feel like I am a person of value and not only for myself, but for the world. I think that's beautiful, honestly. Like, I already think that you are a person of value to the world, but I think I I totally understand what you're saying. Like, this is going to allow you to contribute even more, you know, and give back even more. And um, I do think that you're such a, like, giving, caring, like, nurturing soul that that's probably something you've been missing in your life a little bit, especially in the last few years. Definitely. Uh, You know, I I spent my entire life growing up and going to a summer camp in California. And um, it really has molded me into the person that I am, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And because of my weight, I have not been able to participate in camp and go to camp because all of our campers Um, They have type 1 diabetes, and so our main focus needs to be providing them a safe place to be a child and have fun. And so going up there with my own limitations and concerns of my own health and not, you know, I don't need the medical staff to be focused on if I injure myself while I'm hiking or things like this. And so I haven't allowed myself to go back. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't have been able to get from the infirmary to the cafeteria to the staff lodge where I'm sleeping. I wouldn't have been able to get around and actually work. And that's something that, you know, I look forward to being able to contribute to again and to be able to get back into and not just, you know, working at camp, but other, other things that bring me joy. I've worked in a group home. I'd love to be able to get back into working with kids again, you know, but you've got to be able to keep up with kids Mm -hmm. if you're going to work with them. And when you can't move, you can't do that. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of those aspects of my life I've lost 
when I gained the weight. And also you're, you're a nurse. Yeah. So how, you know, that's also something I'm sure that like a potential yeah. career path that's kind of been like closed off to you a little bit. Absolutely. I mean, if you can't transfer a patient and you can't stand on your feet for 12 hours, you, you have no business being a nurse. And so unfortunately, you know, I did the work and I, learned a lot and I believe that I was a great nurse and that isn't something that I've been able to enjoy in my life because of the weight you know the idea of getting all these things back these are my whys so um we talked a little bit in our last episode about how you and I are both a little bit of like control freaks and we like to (laughs) have oh no not us We like to be, you know, in control of what's going on and what's going on in our lives. Going into a surgery like that, like this, that you're about to undergo, there's going to be a lot of unknowns and not being able to plan how things are going to be after surgery. How are you kind of coping with that a little bit? Um, I mean, I'm obviously doing as much as I can in order to um, prepare, but you, I mean, you can never be 100% prepared for this, I think, but there are steps that you can take and you can, you know, put your best foot forward in order to set yourself up for success. And I definitely have been working really hard on that. Um, Working on getting my weight down as low as I possibly could prior to surgery was a big thing for me. I knew that every pound I lost meant that I would have a safer chance on that operating table. And so I wanted to focus on that. I also didn't want to all of a sudden have this like such a drastic change in my diet and in the way that I needed to think about exercise and food. You know, if I didn't do any work and then all of a sudden I had the surgery, I just felt like that wasn't setting myself up for success. And so I figured the more I could prepare, the more I could learn, the more I could make these changes and implement as much as I possibly could into my life pre-operative, the higher success I would have post-operative. So you know, speaking of pre-op stuff and like going into surgery, like do you have any fears around surgery? Are there any like possible complications that you're considering and like worried about? Um, Yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely complications that come with every surgery um, yeah. with with a bariatric surgery. And I mean, for me, I'm talking about sleeve and what I've learned um, for that, because there are several different types of bariatric surgery. And I don't know nearly as much for the other options that I do for the one that me and my team have chosen. But there, you know, there's the risk for like leaking. So the when you have a gastric sleeve, it's vertically cut and they take away 80% of your stomach and then they have to re-sew it together. And it takes time for these two sides of your stomachs to mesh together and become one and have, be solid again. You know what I mean? And so there's a possibility of leaking, which you're going to then leak, you know, stomach juices into your cavity and things like this. Um, obviously, there's post-operative clot scares that are an issue. But for me, you know, trying to be as active as possible, quitting smoking, things like this are all going to be beneficial towards surgery. I know that if you are on an oral contraceptive, they ask you to go off of it because that can increase your likelihood of blood clots. Luckily for me, I have a copper IE. UD and so that I don't have any hormones that are provided with my form of birth control. And so that's not something that increases my risks of blood clots, but my weight alone is a, is a surgical risk. And mm-hmm. so trying to make these changes 
as early on in this journey, I felt were going to set me up for the highest rate of success. And so, you know, I just started changing everything. Probably August 1st is when I really, you know, I saw, so I saw my general practitioner on my anniversary, June 12th. And one month later, um, I think it was like July 15th or so, you and I went to my first appointment with the Bariatric Weight Loss Center in downtown Denver. And then about two weeks later on August 1st is when I decided this was when I was going to start my journey and my process and really putting the work into myself in order to have success. So what specifically did you did you change on August 1st? Uh, the biggest change I probably made was how I was eating. I started tracking everything I was eating. Let me tell you how useful tracking what you're eating is because I think that you're not, I, I, for me at least, I wasn't aware of like how much I was consuming. Like I never thought of myself as somebody who ate unhealthy. And for the most part, I wasn't eating terribly unhealthy. It was the amount I was eating. But I was not necessarily aware of how much I was either. And so tracking your food definitely, I think, like helps with that. So that, and then I started focusing on getting my protein in first, lowering carbs, lowering calories, getting veggies in, trying to stick to non-starchy veggies, getting my water in. That has been one of the biggest things, getting 64 ounces of water in. You know, I just started changing everything when it came into what I was consuming. You really start to realize how important what you're putting into your body is and the cause and effect of it. Talk to me a little bit about like the some of the the other appointments that you that you've been to. Well, I, I decided to start seeing a therapist um, when I started this journey. Smart. <laughs> we know that weight is not just about food. And so I started seeing a therapist right at the very start. I think I actually saw my therapist before I started seeing the weight loss clinic. And so I really have been focusing on that. I've had several appointments with a registered dietitian nutritionalist helping me navigate the best way to prepare for surgery and what life is going to be like after surgery. I also had a psychological eval to, you know, just make sure that I was in a safe space in order to have surgery and to move forward. Mm -hmm. I've done some pre-op workup. I had an EKG. I've had all my blood labs pulled. I've had my lungs listened to. I had some additional testing. I was in some, some pretty severe pain a couple of weeks ago. We determined my gallbladder is not functioning the way that it should. So I've had some CT scans and I've had a HIDA scan. And so, you know, this is, these are kind of all the medical steps that I've taken towards this. I, to be honest, I was actually surprised how quickly I was able to get through this when you think about it. So seeing my general practitioner in July to August was a one month wait. From seeing the weight loss clinic to now having surgery, let's see, July to August, August to September, September to October. So in total, from seeing my GP to the day of surgery has been almost exactly five months. That's really fast. Like that's that's pretty crazy. Yeah. 
I've been told that it can take quite a bit longer. And, you know, I didn't necessarily take advantage of my referral right away. And also, I was under the impression that the psychological evaluator was going to be calling me to schedule it. And it took me three weeks before I called the clinic to ask about it. And they were like, no, you're the one who's supposed to call and schedule it. Oh. Um, so um, in all reality, I probably could have made this process a month faster even. I wonder if that's typical or if it's just like the the clinic that you're in. Well, like you said, for most people, it probably takes a lot longer. Yeah. And I think that um, some of it has to do with insurance requirements. Like I've heard that Medicaid patients are required to have counseling for at least six months before it can be considered. Some insurances require an X amount of weight loss. Like my program just required that I didn't gain any weight from my initial consultation to surgery. Um, And I know that like certain insurance or clinics require a percentage of weight loss in order to have surgery. So I think that that can also affect the amount of time it takes to get a scheduled appointment. Um, There's probably a lot of factors that go into it. Okay. I want to go back a little bit um, and talk about therapy. What did, what have you, what kind of insights have you, have you gotten? I obviously anything you don't want to share, you don't have to share, but like, (laughs) What what sort of insights or what have you learned about yourself and like maybe your relationship to food and your weight in relationship to therapy? I think probably one of the biggest things that I've worked on during this you know period is learning to love myself again. Um, I had really lost any self worth for so long, and so focusing on that you know there was something I saw on Facebook at one point and I've looked for it several times since and I haven't been able to find it so if you know what I'm talking about go ahead and shoot it over to our Facebook group please yes woman she had posted about how not not to wait to love like this body that you're working towards because this body that I have today is the body that has worked and lost 67 pounds in the last five months. And so like to learn to love yourself and like, this is the body that is getting me through surgery. This is the body that is going to take me to the gym. This is the body that is choosing healthier options in my eating and in my daily routines. And so not to wait on, what waiting for a body that you can love down the line, but learning to love the body that you have right now. So that's definitely something that I think I've been working quite a bit on is learning to love myself again, because I did not for quite some time. I mean, I relate to that a lot because it's like, I think personally for me, I'm like my biggest critic, you know, I'm like, yes, really, really. I'm so hard on myself. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. And so it's like, I've spent like so much of my adult life being critical and especially the last few years, you know, being like, oh, why did you do that? Why did that happen? It's all your fault sort of a thing. And then having to like flip that and like go from like these feelings of like, oh, it's all my fault and I'm the problem to being like, okay, it's, it's not my fault. I'm not the problem. I I am, I'm the solution and like, I can, you know, learn to love myself and then, and just like being able to like flip that mindset. It's, it's not an easy process. It's like actually really, really hard. But when you can do that, it's like kind of the best gift you can give yourself. Like it it touches on that, like emotional and like psychological side of things. It's like, yeah, your, your body's going to be going through this like physical transformation, but you also have to go through these like mental changes in order to like accept your new self and like be able to like be a new self essentially. Well, and, and you need to start being an advocate for yourself and fighting for yourself because like I, 
if I heard somebody say to somebody else the things I say to myself, mm-hmm. I would never tolerate it. I would mm-hmm. never put up with somebody talking to another human being the way that I talk to myself. And mm-hmm. that is probably something I'm trying to work on so much. Uh, my good friend Kari, she always says, no one talks to my Chantal like that. Like <laughs> whenever I'm baiting myself up, she's like, no, no one talks to my, no one treats my best friend that way. Don't you Aww. dare. <laughs> I love so I'm trying to tell myself and remind myself that I have to fight for myself too, but I yeah. have to defend myself. I have to be my advocate. I can't just be there for everyone else. I also have to be there for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's beautiful. I think that's so important for you on this journey and really important for everyone in this life. (laughs) So, all right, well, let's get back to kind of the, the technical, a little like more, uh, you know, medical side of things. Tell me a little bit about the liver shrinking diet that you've been on. I know it's, it's for you. It it was a three week, (laughs) it was a three week process. Um, I know that that, that length of time is very dependent on each person, each type of surgery, you know, like the procedure you're doing. Um, but tell me about what you've been doing for your liver shrinking diet and why, Uh, why you need to do it. Yes. So, um, yeah, the liver shrinking diet, actually I've also learned through this process, each physician kind of has their own version of it. Mine, from my understanding, is actually a very, very mild. Um, some people's liver shrinking diet is a full liquid diet. And I am allowed two protein shakes a day. They do have requirements. They have to be under 200 calories. They have to have more than 15 grams of protein. They have to have less than five grams of sugar. And then I'm also allowed two to four cups of non-starchy veggies and four ounces of a lean protein. So, I mean, I get a meal and I get some snacks along the way because I have like two cups of veggies with my protein. And then I snack on veggies throughout the day when I, you know, am hungry for something. Um, So mine isn't nearly as drastic as people that have the full liquid preoperative diet. Um, The amount of time that you're on your operative, your liver shrinking diet typically is determined by your BMI. Since I am on the higher level of that BMI scale, my liver shrinking diet was significantly longer than a lot of other people's. Um, Mine was for 21 days. I got to start it at 20 days because I had to have that HIDA scan, which did require a lot of fat as to where the liver shrinking diet requires no fat. So I did have... The last day before I started the liver shrinking diet, I got to have my medically ordered pizza, which was amazing. <laughs> um, for those that haven't, you know, didn't hear earlier in a previous episode, um, I had to have a HIDA scan due to some complications with my gallbladder. And in order to test the function of it, you have to have fat in your diet to see if the liver or the liver, the gallbladder is working properly. I had to, they said, okay, you have to eat a meal. You have to eat something that has super high fat about four hours before you come in for the scan. I was like, so what you're saying is that it's medically necessary for me to have pizza. My nurse was like, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. I was like, score. Um, And then the next day I started my liver shrinking diet, which was totally drastically different. So, um, I mean, it was like a little, yeah, I got to splurge a little right before I had to like, exactly. exactly. (laughs) Are you feeling like, how are you like, do you just feel like hungry all the time? Like what? Uh, Yeah, I'm hungry a lot of the time. I, I, I just try to drink as much water as I can anytime I'm hungry. Hungry. I did feel a little fluish with it, you know, and I talked to the dietitian about it because when you cut out all carbs and sugar, 
you can, I mean, it isn't the purpose, but you can put yourself into ketosis. Um, so anyone who does a keto diet or anybody who is a diabetic and has ended up in ketoacidosis, you know, the fluish feeling that you can get, the kind of headache, the achy muscles, things like that. So I have experienced that, but typically I wake up feeling that way. And if, if I get some water in and I get up and I start moving, that feeling does dissipate. So what's the point of the liver shrinking diet? Why do they put you on that? Um, I think that there's probably several benefits to it. One, you obviously get kind of a jump start on your weight loss. Two, I mean, I think that it's an emotional preparation as well because you're making a pretty com- strong commitment. Um, also, like physically, what they're trying to do, from my understanding, is that Okay, so your liver stores something called glycogen in it, mm-hmm. which is essentially glucose. It's, it's sugar. It's it's carb. You know, when your body needs a boost of energy, your liver dumps this glycogen into your system, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what happens when you remove all sugar and carbs from your body, your body starts utilizing that stored glycogen in your liver. And so the point is to deplete that because that takes up a big space within your liver. And so they want to try and get your liver down to the smallest size possible in order to move it out of the way safely. Mm-hmm. It, it will help with pro- post-operative complications. It helps, you know, limit those. Um, it helps the surgeon navigate better within your cavity when they're doing the surgery. Also, a lot of obese patients tend to have um, what's called a fatty liver. And so you're also trying to kind of dump that out of your liver as well prior. You just want your health, your liver to be as healthy as possible to go into surgery because it does have to be manipulated and moved around. And if it's mm. just like packed, filled with all this fat and all this glycogen and it's stiff, you're more likely to tear it, to perforate it, to, you know, there's complications that will arise with that. Support for this podcast is provided by Freedom Multifamily Acquisitions. They are your key to financial freedom through real estate investments, making your money work for you, not the other way around. Please visit freedommfa.com. That's freedommfa.com for valuable insights on investing in real estate and achieving the freedom you desire. Don't Judge a Girl by Their Size is sponsored by Cloud Underground. Make starting a company as straightforward as playing an RPG with the RPG of Life Incubator from Cloud Underground. Start building your business for free today. Learn more at cloudunderground.dev. That's cloudunderground.dev. So I know you're you're prepping. You're very close to surgery. Um, So so tell me what you're taking to the hospital with you. What's in your hospital bag? In my hospital bag, I have. Do you have it? You want to go grab it and like show? No, I haven't put it together yet. Okay, (laughs) it's it's in my brain. I mean, I've literally waited till the last second to put it together. Of course, yeah, you got tomorrow. I have like 24 hours. So for me, I am taking my phone charger. I'm also taking my favorite blanket because it's my comfort blankie <laughs> and I thought I might want it afterwards when I'm not feeling great um it's a giant tortilla although I joked I should have gotten her lettuce so that I could go in a burrito and come out a lettuce wrap <laughs> that would be so funny <laughs> Uh, but I, I didn't I, I forgot to order it so <laughs> burrito I shall say um so I'm taking my blanket um, I'm going to take some sandals or slippers like so I, or, you know, honestly, I think I'm actually might bring I have 
I have my own socks that have like the rubber bottom on it that they, you know, Uh they give you those ones in the hospital, but I hate those because the elastic on those don't work. And so like, they just start falling off your feet. Like the second you pull them on, all the stretch in it is gone and they just like slump off. And so I have really good socks that have those, those bottoms on it. So I'll probably bring my own socks so I can get up and walk around. Um, Uh Walking helps with the gas pains that are like the gas that's stuck in your body. Um, walking, you have to walk it out because your body reabsorbs the gas while you're walking and then you can get it out up or down, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'll probably bring those chapstick. I'm going to bring chapstick. I'm not going to bring a water bottle. I love the hospital cups they give out. Um, I've actually never <laughs> like really big ones. Yes. I've never stayed in the hospital myself, so I've never gotten yeah. one. So I'm really excited to get mine. Um, and so my I'm dad had a whole collection of those. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I used to take them from my father-in-law and so like I'm just so excited to get my own so I'm not I'm not going to take a water bottle with me <laughs> I thought about bringing my laptop but I'll just if I want to watch tv I'll just watch it on my phone I don't want to have to like if I'm sleeping or something I just don't want to leave it out I mean I you just never know I'm going to bring my CPAP machine I'm going to bring an inhaler because they don't provide you with either of those there um, they will provide me any other meds. And if I were on meds, they would provide those meds. The only meds they don't provide are inhalers because they don't really come as one-time uses. Right. Like, you know what I mean? So they're not going to like prescribe you a 200 puff inhaler for a one day stay in the hospital. That's a waste yeah. of funds. So, um, you have to bring your own inhaler and you have to bring your own CPAP. They do provide distilled water if you are on a water CPAP because not everyone uses water in their CPAP. I uh-huh. do, but they provide that for you at the hospital. So, like a comfy, like something for some modesty, like the gowns. I mean, I have to get up and walk like every two hours, and I don't need my ass hanging out for everyone to see this duct tape. So <laughs> it's not happening. Um, I'll probably Good bring night. like a house cozy dress. robe or something. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. I know. My friend makes fun of me. She's like, you, you know, you can tell you're from Texas because you call them house dresses. And I'm like, that's what they are. <laughs> And I'm going to also pack, I I realized, and I saw somebody post this on a Facebook question and I was like, smart. I'll probably bring a pillow, but I'm also going to bring a pillow and a blanket for my husband. Um, I'm going to pack for the husband because he's not going to think to pack for himself. So I will be packing some stuff for the hubby also. Your surgery is in the morning. How long is the, is the procedure? Do they, do you have any idea? Yes. So the the gastric sleeve itself can take anywhere between one to four hours. And then there's going to be an additional hour for my gallbladder removal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm supposed to be to the hospital two hours prior to my surgical time. So I have to be at the hospital at 930 as my surgery is scheduled for 1130. And then, I mean, it could take anywhere between probably two to six hours. Hopefully it's on the quicker side, but yeah, so we'll, I'll get ready. Actually, Laura's going to come over and braid my hair morning of surgery because she does amazing braids and I want it. I don't, I don't want to have to deal with it. Yeah. You want it out of your face. Yeah, I want it out of my face. I want it out of the doctor's way. I want them to be able to have, you know, not to have to fight with my hair if they're trying to like innovate me and things like this. So <laughs> I figured I'm just going to go ahead. And I also just realized, um, I, I did not know this, but I'm getting scoped before surgery. Yeah, so they do an, endo- an endos- endoscopy. Endoscopy. Yeah. And I mean, I knew other patients have gotten it, um, but they usually do it like 
I don't know, like a week or two prior to surgery. Mm. I think that mine is able to be done during surgery because I don't have a history of GERD. So I think that 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 might be part of it. I'm actually going to ask them while I'm there because, I mean, if they find something on it while I'm already knocked out, I mean, do they just turn around and not do the surgery? Like, you know, I think you'd want to know. But because I don't have a history of ulcers or GERD, maybe that's why they're able to do it during the surgical time. And then what happens after surgery? Do you stay overnight? Do you go home after? Like, what's your... So I'm scheduled to have one night stay in the hospital. I'm a, I'm allowed to have a guest with me, stay with me. They have, like, a, a little, like, love seat that folds out into a bed in the room with me. That's interesting. I wonder if Nathan will be able to stay with me yeah. after my surgery. I'm, like, yeah. very much advocating to stay overnight because mine is, like, right on the verge. It's, it's, like, a four-hour surgery, which is right on the verge of like whether, whether or not keep you yeah overnight or not and I'm like messaging my surgeons and they're like well it's up to the plastic surgeons team and I'm like please let me stay overnight please right um, you want to be there so, so you can help Nathan me could, yeah be there too and stay with me yeah definitely I would, that too, I think, Corey so. like I I've mentioned prior my husband had his gallbladder removed in the same place and so Corey's gallbladder removal was not necessarily planned and I was out with girlfriends and um I had to take a fairly tipsy taxi to the hospital as he went into emergency surgery. Oh, and, no. um, so I slept. I woke up so hungover on this fold-out bed in his surgery. <laughs> it was miserable. So Corey should have a much better night than I did when I was <laughs> Okay, so that's good. So, so they do like follow up, and then they send you home. The yeah, so I'll stay. I'll stay one night, and then the next day, it, how it's determined as to whether or not I go home is, um, if I can tolerate fluids on my own, and so they're not having to hydrate me through an IV, because that is the number one cause of rehospitalization post bariatric surgery is dehydration. Yeah. So as long as I can keep fluids down, then and in me and they don't rush right through, then I can go home and also pain management. As long as they can, we can manage my pain without having to be on IV medication for it, then I can go home as well. But they're not going to send me home if I can't manage my pain or if I can't keep fluids in. I will stay an additional night, two nights, three nights, however long it takes. But right. the typical time and the goal is one night stay. Um, and then I go home and then I start, you know, taking you know and then I there's a whole routine for post-operative care at home I actually have an hour appointment with a nurse tomorrow that is specifically designed to give you the tools you need for a successful recovery mm-hmm. so we'll definitely have more information we can share on that we'll dive much more into that during season two as well so what are you doing to like prep your home environment for when you come back I feel like okay so There's this thing, like, people nest when they're having kids is what I've been told, right? I feel like I've been nesting for myself. Like, I've been going through stuff. I've been organizing. I've been cleaning. I mean, my house is probably in better shape than it's ever been, honestly. And I'm going to have – I love Christmas, and so my sister-in-law is coming to stay with me for four days post-operative, and I'm going to try and twist her arm and have her decorate Christmas while she's here so that I can (laughs) heal in the Christmas winter wonderland. So yeah, I've just been getting the house ready. There are some other preps that I have to go through. So there's a certain type of like way you have to wash yourself prior to surgery to avoid infection. So there's a certain soap that you use. So Wednesday night, I am to wash my my hair and 
you know, anywhere that's not the surgical area, which is my abdomen, with my normal shampoo and body wash. Then I have a special soap that I have to work really hard on my abdomen with for at least three minutes and Mm. focus a lot on my belly button because one of the incisions is through there. And then I have to put on clean clothes and have to have clean sheets and bedding to climb into. Then the morning of surgery, four hours before I'm set to have surgery, I'm to shower again. Same type of shower, clean clothes, no lotion, no deodorant, no makeup, nothing and then go to surgery. Also, there's some, like, prep. I mean, as far as, like, what you're supposed to drink, um, I have a surgical prep. They have, um, like, a drink you can buy that's called, like, a pre-op prep drink. But it, I tried to order it, and it was, like, a two-week delivery. Mm. And I only looked into it, like, a few days ago. So I was like, yeah. okay, that's not an option. Luckily, they do give you another option. The other option is to drink apple juice. And I'm going to talk to my doctor more about it, but this is kind of my thinking on it. I have had no carbs. I have no energy within my body at this moment because of the way I've been eating. And so they have you drink this the night before surgery and just a little, so many hours in the morning prior to surgery. And it's, I think it's to give you enough energy to kind of get through surgery Mm. is my understanding. So I'm going to, so I had my husband go get me apple juice to do instead of the pre-op drink since I couldn't get it in time. Um, And it is a little pricey. And so they give you the option of doing one or the other. So as far as surgical prep goes, I've also been told that I can't have any metal in my body. Oh. <laughs> um, and so I do have to take out all of my jewelry. And I've never taken my contourings out on my own. Like, I think you mm. actually have to, like, bend the metal to open it wide enough to, oh. like, get your ear through it. So I'm actually going to go into a tattoo shop tomorrow and be like, hey, I'm having surgery the next day. Can you take out all my jewelry? And I'm just going to have them remove everything. That's really smart. Yeah, that's a really good idea. <laughs> then I'll put it in a little bag. And then when we go up to Fort Collins in a couple weeks, I'll bring it with me and I'll just make Megan put everything back in. And then oh I my think gosh. she's going to pierce my lip also while we're up there. I had, I, you know, because I've had many MRIs over the course of my life because yeah. that's, you know, part of having a breast cancer mutation is you get to have lots of MRIs for screening. And I've had like several times where I was like panicking because I like couldn't get, you know, my lip ring out or I couldn't get my nose ring out or I couldn't get like, so I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? But I was just like, take a few deep breaths and like, it'll come out. Right. I feel pretty confident taking pretty much all of them out, but my conch, but since I I have matching conches in both my ears. So since I have to do that, I figured I'll just have them do it all. Okay, Chantal. So let's let's get into one last thing, which is this part of yourself is 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 about to you know, you're you're going through this like huge transformation. And so I just want to ask you, if you were to like write a letter to yourself, to your like what what would you say? What would you what would you try and express to yourself going into this journey or into um, the surgery? I think that something that I would want to tell myself is to be patient with myself, to be kind with myself. Not everything is going to happen exactly the way that I want it to happen. Not everything is going to happen on the timetable that I want it to happen. But this is not a sprint. This is definitely a marathon. And I have to remind myself to be patient with my body, with my mind, with my emotions, And patient with the people around me, just because I've done a lot of work to accept this change and to become a better person doesn't mean that the people around me have 
have to be on that same timetable. And so it may take them a little bit longer to get on board or to accept or to support. And that's, mm-hmm. I have to be okay with that. Absolutely. So I think probably the biggest thing that I would say to myself is patience. And, you know, it's so funny because I actually just saw something. I just saw something today um, that I saved. Let me find it real quick. And it talks about patience. But it says, someone once said, patience is not the ability to wait, but the ability to keep a good attitude while waiting. And, you know, and I think that that's going to be really important because, you know, I'm not going to hit every goal on the time frame that I want it. And I need to be not only kind to myself, but also kind to the people around me while I'm doing this process. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that kind of sums it up. I'm really, I'm excited for you. I'm so proud of you and I have all of the hard work that you've done. It's been quite a journey leading up to it. Not just these past five months, but really like, you know, it's been, it's been years of your life yeah. that have like brought you to this. So yeah. I'm just so incredibly proud of you. And um, I think you know, the surgery is going to go great. Well, we're, we're here. I'm here for you. I know Corey's here for you. Um, yeah. I think you're, you're so lucky to have like such an amazing and incredibly like supportive spouse. Um, you talked a little bit last week about like how much he's kind of had to take over things in your life yeah. because of your physical limitations. And so um, I think just that just speaks a lot to his character and like who he is. And I know he's got your back no matter yeah. what. I feel I feel very, very, very lucky to have him. Um, not everyone has a spouse that's as supportive as he is. I've seen people comment about how their you know, their spouse isn't okay with him having surgery and, and, and that doesn't really resonate with me because my husband wants whatever's best for me. And I'm I'm so lucky to have somebody who has looked at me and loved me the same way over 300 pounds difference. When I met him, I weighed 300 pounds less than I do today. And there's never not been a day that he's told me that I'm beautiful and how much he loves me. And I'm very, very, very lucky to have that support. And not just from him, but everyone else in my life. I've been very blessed and and moved by how much support my friends and my community has shown me through this. So I definitely want to thank everyone for that. You deserve it. You know, you're again, like I said before, like you're just such a kind and nurturing soul. And like, you're so much more than, you know, this, this body that you're in. So I think for all of us, all speaking as one of those, you know, people in your support network, like it's just, it's been my honor to like be here for you and to support you. And I'm so excited that I get to be with you when you go to the hospital and that we can also that we've been able to just create a a community with even just our Facebook group for other people, because like, I couldn't imagine having to go through this with like a spouse who didn't, think you should have surgery or you know with with a lot of people around you like doubting that part of your yeah. journey like I can't imagine how difficult that would be for someone yeah. so you know if you're out there and and you're that person and you're struggling to find that supportive network that's why we're here that's why we're doing this that's Absolutely. why we made this podcast that's why we created our Facebook group don't judge a girl by her side by their size on Facebook go check it out come and 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 if you need that support like we're here yeah Just, drop a message in the group or like even like DM, DM us, you know, like yeah. we're, we're here, we're here to be supportive and Absolutely. Um, we want to kind of pay it forward to, to, to other people. So, yeah, I definitely want to make sure that we provide a space that is safe for everyone. Um, I've been so blessed to have that within my own community. And so I think it's really important that we provide that for others as well. 
All right, Chantal. Looking for a good episode. <laughs> yeah, I think the I think that that's the season. Yeah, I love you, and I can't wait for for uh, Thursday. I can't yes. wait for you. Congratulations. Thank you. you. You're almost there. I've made it. (laughs) Perfect. Thank you so much. Okay. Goodbye, everyone. We'll see you next time. Don't Judge a Girl by Their Size is created, produced, and hosted by Laura Riley and Chantal Powers. Edited by Laura Riley. Voiceover by Greg Christensen. If you're going through your own weight loss journey, join our Facebook group, Don't Judge a Girl by Their Size. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support the show, Join our Patreon where you'll get bonus content and monthly exclusives with Laura and Chantal. You can find links to that and all of our socials in the episode description. And of course, subscribe to Don't Judge a Girl by Their Size wherever you listen to podcasts.